Welcome to SMSF, mate. Our general advice warning. We are required to warn you that any advice has been prepared without taking into account your objectives, financial situations or needs. And because of that, you should, before acting on any advice, consider the appropriateness of the advice having regard to your own objectives, financial services and needs. Where the advice relates to the acquisition or possible acquisition of a particular financial product, you should obtain a product disclosure statement relating to that product and consider the PDS before making any decision about whether to acquire the product. Welcome back to SMSF Mates podcast. Uh, today we're talking about uh, the costs to set up an SMSF, uh, what they are and uh, what you can expect to pay and also uh, if there are differences between an SMSF accountant and a regular accountant and what those what those things are. So. My name's Tim. I'm here with Sonny and Ashwin. Yep. All right, Ashwin. Maybe um, I'll kick off with the SMSF accountant part. Yeah. Um, given that you are um, the accountant. Yeah. Um, and then maybe uh, defer to you to talk about some of the establishment costs. But I think the um, simple answer is you have self-managed super fund only accountants, and then you've got accounting firms um, with divisions that deal in self-managed super funds. Um, so I think there are some accountants specialising in the space and there are some accountants out there that um, you know, specialise in a more general way as part of a broader offering they have within their accounting firm. Um, there's a lot of online providers these days. Um, there's software in the, in the space that makes uh, establishment and managing and reporting around self-managed super funds um, a whole lot easier and, and more efficient. I think there are some online providers that provide that direct access to self-managed super fund trustees and investors, um, and there's some you know, software that accountants themselves use yep. in making their process and service delivery a whole lot more efficient. So, um, yes, a self-managed super fund accountant and a normal accountant are, are one in you know the same. It just depends on how they deliver and provide that service. And then you've got um, a bunch of online um, providers as well that do it from a more remote access, all of which will have different service offerings, different cost structures. Yeah. It really comes down to what um, works best. But um, after maybe you talk about some of the cost station, we can talk yeah, about Yeah, I think, I think a lot of the costs um, will determine basically more around the investments. So the type of investments that the super fund is investing in will dictate the cost of compliance. Um, from a pure standpoint, any professional accountant who's registered with the tax agent board can provide SMSF tax returns. It's just they probably need to have a skill set around it and I would say a lot of it now would come back to what technology stack they're using um, would reduce the cost for compliance and to make sure they're complying with the Act and preparing reports to a standard because a lot of the stuff... You know, you need to be able now for a self-managed super fund, you need to be able to accept rollovers through it. So some of the software actually creates the rollover platform. Um, so your fund can receive money in. You compare the amount, uh, reports to, for the money to go out to an, another fund if it gets closed. All those sort of things really will come down to software. And people, they're using older technology stacks or software solutions will find it difficult to comply with that. They might still be compliant, but they're going to probably charge a lot more for it because they're not using the full efficiencies. So if I came into your office and said, I want to set up an SMSF, what's it going to cost me? What would you say? First first thing would be, have you got advice around an SMSF? I'd 
redirect you to an advisor to go get that advice. Um, then if you came back and said this, then there's a full declaration that you understand what you're getting into and everything else around it. But a super fun setup. If there's no trustee, I think we're roughly charging six fifty plus GST to set up a trust uh, a self managed super fund. If it's got a corporate trustee around it, it's another twelve hundred bucks, okay. and that's because there's a six hundred dollar fee to. Is, it, is that documentation cost? As just documentation, time of the accountant cost on that yep. as well. Yeah, yep. probably just a point of clarity. The reason. Ashwin was deferring then to advice around establishment is that in order to establish a self-managed super fund, you need um, to take advice around that or that advice needs to be given by a licensed advisor. Yeah. Um, now, in, in Ashwin's case, he isn't a licensed advisor anymore. No, not anymore. Um, so he defers that advice out, but there are accounting firms that will have licensed advisors yep. um, in-house or they might be licensed themselves. Um, so they provide the advice for establishment and take care of the establishment um, under the one umbrella. Okay. Yep. 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 And what, like the, the advice is just based on the individual circumstances and where they're at and what they want to achieve? and A, a little bit, yeah. So you know, the things that need to be checked, and it's why we've probably said in this in the podcast a few times is you do – it's a big journey to go down the self-managed pathway. You should get an advice doc to give you the peace of mind that it is still a pathway you should be doing. And if you get an advice on saying not to do it and you still decide to do it, well, okay, everyone's told you not to do it, but you've still done it. That That's on you now. But you want it, why would you do it? If, if a professional in their field is recommended what you're trying to do probably doesn't fit your profile and SMS that's going to cost way too much to run compared to what you'd have in an alternative fund. And it's detrimental to your long-term future. Why would you do it? So, I think by having that step, it, it stops the people that have caught up with someone under barbecue or caught up with someone. So, get into this. Oh, actually, it's actually a bit more serious than that. I need to see an advisor to get that process. So, I think that's part of it. Um, and some people go, okay, well, it's only you know less than six hundred. It might be seven hundred bucks or two grand to set up. It's not that expensive to get in. I'll I'll get in. Well, no, no, there's compliance costs so you know the annual accounting work for a client generally ranges from 1500 to four grand and some funds maybe charge 10 or 9 or 15 grand depending on how complex the investment's involved in it and what needs to be assessed you know because there are some funds that have art in it and that requires an order to go check that art is on a public display and a location available to days ago or is it an in-house asset and how's it valued and there are a lot of complications with smsf if the investments are diverse. So mm. from a fee point of view, compliance can be maintained and, and reduced by having good software. So, you know, you, for me, uh, the most common ones I'm familiar with that accountants use uh, uh, a software called BGL 360 and Class Super and all of these software talk to the ASX, they talk to um, different data feeds and bring in all the transactions. So it saves a lot of time instead of trying to source it it's all in one place so that makes compliance a bit easier um, and that's the sort of stuff you want to ask so if if you're going to go around and find an account you're going to go what's what's the fees and what are you doing to reduce those fees so things like what technology are you using does does it work through and and ask the question what could i do to make it cheaper for you the accountant to make the job easier because if you ask that they will tell you hey if you did all of these things i don't have to spend time doing that and, and and cheap by lower cost, but by more efficient, more effective. Yeah, you know, sometimes safer. Um, 
you know, I, I think it's a really good question to ask for people that are considering self-managed super fund. Speak to the account to say, well, how are you actually managing it? Um, you know, they used to be predominantly managed, uh, say, if you take a, a bank account um, that's part of the self-managed super fund, which a fund obviously needs, yep. um, those each of those transactions and each of those investments that went out of the bank account then needed to be reported on. Um, some accountants used to code and have to um, reconcile each and every one of those transactions um, by a, a ledger or an entry yep. right, that they would have to effectively manually do. Each bank statement, line item, um, some of the programs that Ashwin mentioned um, have bank feeds or data feeds directly from the bank yep. and directly from a investment platform potentially, which then enable the direct either auto allocation or prompting of an allocation of a transaction. Now, um, I'm not going to say any which ways um, right or wrong or better no. or worse, but um, if you have an automatic data feed, now there's security and all those sorts of issues you've got to consider, but um, when you're assessing a service provider and a, and a from software. A, from a cost point of view, yeah. excluding the data thing, the data feed makes so much yeah. easier for, for the end program yeah. for anyone, right? So if you have all the data there, you're not having to check it. And obviously one of the things with a self-managed server fund is listed shares and things have to be valued at the end of the year. If you have 100 different shares, that means and you don't have a software provider, someone's looking through each share to look up what the closing value is and adjusting it, the transaction. And that's a lot of work. And it's manual entry. Manual entry, right? Opposed to software, they'll grab it and go, bang, there's the valuations. And even better, because we, you know, in the old days before we were using the software maybe five years ago, if you did a DRP, you've got to look up what the dividend share reinvestment reinvestment plan. plan. So let's say you got a dividend from one of the big four um, and they deposit in your account and you bought shares, we have to look up what the DRP price is, add it to your cost right, base, right. do the value adjustment, add the new units. It's a lot of work. Now it's all automated. Right. So corporate act, from a corporate action point of view? Corporate action point of view, if there's a demerger or an M&A event, it's already split out and you've got solutions around that, right? So it makes it a lot easier from a compliance point of view when the right software is being used. So the accountant tick the box that they're you know, registered tax agent, um, but also tick the box, what, what software stack are they using to make compliance easy, right? And that will give you at least a piece of mind that, okay, they're doing everything they can to reduce the costs of uh, managing the practice, then it's really time to process the amount of transactions and, and you know, complexity in that in that fund. So I think that's that's my starting point when anyone, so. And process, there's so many efficiencies with processing time and if, if you think traditionally accountants would charge on a hourly rate still, right. if you can make that more efficient, then the cost of processing is lower. Yep. Makes sense, right? Yep. It's more efficient. I think there's a misconception sometimes that that means it directly relates to a lower overall cost. It could and in some cases should, but if if you've got an example where now your processing cost is a lot less, but um, pre and post, let's say, in using software, but if the accountant or advisor now has more time to provide value-add advice, whether that be in structuring um, contribution strategies, uh, you know, investment management, when you're now talking about an advisor, um, I think the overall cost might say the same, but the value value is different and you're getting a better outcome. So personally, I'd prefer more time on 
you know, the value add than I would value the processing cost, mm. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think in, in some cases, um, I, I think it's right that the processing cost should come down, but it's not a direct expectation that the overall cost yeah. um, at different points in time costs down. Yeah, no, no agreed. And, and, and even some of these software, well, I know from um, BGL's point of view, um, and, and Cast probably has it as well, that you can give an access to the trustee. So the trustee can actually run their own reports if, if the transactions are coded regularly and get half yearly reports, right? And they can actually see it opposed to weighing the year, year-end reports. So there's a lot of benefits of moving to those software platforms and then you can spend more time on strategies or rebalancing or investing and things that the, the trustee wants to do because they've got the access to the data, Um and it's all pulled into one place. So, Timely access, yeah, accurate. That, yeah. Exactly. So that's one of the good things about tech. Um, you can find some accounts that could maybe do it for cheaper, but if you don't get the value or you don't use that value, then it's also skewed a bit as well. So, And it, and it shouldn't be, um, again, cheap is always a, it's a risky um, approach, isn't it? It shouldn't be a race <laughs> to the bottom to have the cheapest processing, right? Because the processing of data in a self-managed super fund is only one aspect of it. Right, no. and yeah, yeah. and that aspect now technology help you know considerably, um, but it's it's the broader advice, it's the oversight um, around it that yeah. and to work with the trustees exactly. that actually count. So just going back, initial setup cost. So assuming that I fit the bill, um, and I've decided, you know, on a certain structure type, you could give me a price range between. How much and how much in total to set to set up an SMSF? Do you think? Oh, to set up a fund, um, it's it's probably going to be between seven hundred and eighteen hundred, depending on if there's a corporate trustee or not. Okay, so individual corporate trustee yeah. is, is a twelve hundred dollar difference okay. in, in okay. for us. Other firms, it might be more or less. And baseline annual cost, and now it varies because of investment structure, yeah. accumulation versus pension, all those sorts of things, but. Just use a um, really what is broad. the what is the bottom end? Um, what bottom end I would say is is eighteen hundred eighteen hundred would be bottom end yeah. per annum um, per annum. Yeah, because you add up the yeah. plus audit costs on top of that. Yeah, plus audit costs are separate, uh, separate unrelated firm. Well, typically unrelated firm for most accountants should be doing that. And what, uh, what's an audit generally cost? Depends on the complexity, right? So generally. They probably range from about four hundred to twelve hundred bucks, depending on the complexity okay. um, of that fund. But you, you, you can see, and this is, I think, I think there was a, a podcast where we had questions, and someone was shooting that it's all in one package, and that's because they've created a platform where all that documentation and compliance is already managed within the fund. So the scope um, can be reduced because they control where the investments are coming from and the feeds and everything else. So ultimately. Yeah, that would be my guide. Four hundred to twelve hundred bucks would be an audit cost, depending on complexity, and then um, yeah, annual costs range from two plus, right, or eighteen hundred plus, depending on what they're doing in there, right? Because the software itself, in that eighteen hundred, the software cost is probably around two three hundred bucks, and there's, that's about fifteen hundred dollars worth of time, which is about you know four or five hours just to make sure you've done everything, get the documents signed, have the meeting with the client, go through it. That would be the cheapest with, you know, just term deposits and simple transactions. So, Ash, I guess for the benefit of the listeners then, um, if you're considering a self-managed super fund, um, you know, and considering the aspect of not only 
what access you might get to investments, but then the cost-benefit analysis of maintaining and holding one, what I'm hearing is at a bottom end, don't have an expectation that it's going to cost you any less than two and a half to three thousand dollars a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah that um, would be and very. If, if that worries you or you don't see value in that in in your, com- your comparative analysis, then it's probably safe to say, you know, you, yeah, you wouldn't go down that path. No, no, and I think that's a yeah rough guide for everyone. You might be able to find other solutions where it comes out cheaper, or other accounts might ch- charge more. But yeah, that's a fair assumption to to to, to look at it from that point of view. These are the costs. If you're not prepared to pay that. It's probably not right, right? Because the whole reason you're in this, well, I would say from my view, you, the whole reason you've been a self-managed vehicle is you think you can outperform um, those costs and what another fund could do for you, right? So if if you can't afford, you know, the extra running cost of having an SMSF, doesn't really make sense. Now there are times, and it's very rare, when someone's got a really big balance in a, you know, in another fund. And the reason they've come to a self-managed fund is just to reduce costs. Yeah, right. And and I guess further to those costs, you've got uh, fees on, you know, transactional fees, investment fees. So, d- so it really depends on yeah, what's so in the fund yeah. and how active. Yeah, so, you know, the total fees in a self-managed fund can get up to, you know, depending on all those fees, could be, you know, plus of eight, could be four, could be three. It depends on what they're, they're doing, right? So... If they're engaging all those advisors, like we mentioned before, to get the holistic investment, they might be paying close to ten grand in fees. Great. Um, okay, and then what is a self-managed? Sorry, and then what is a self-managed super fund accountant? And and if they differ from a regular accountant, how is that? And you know, what should people be looking for? I think there is a course. Um, there's a couple of courses that is directed to been a smsf specialist um personally i don't know what the real difference is there i think they would do courses to understand a lot more around complexity maybe around maybe age pensions and how they relate to the super funds maybe it comes with an afs cell to give advice on certain things on setups and things like that i'd, I'd say that's what it's probably around um but i would say that would mean you're getting better advice and you know they've got undergone a training and advice structure to do that and that's probably the difference but I'd probably, you know, work out what services you need, then ask that question to you, the accountant you've engaged, can you do that? And if it turns out an accountant like me who doesn't have a financial licence and I can't give you advice in these areas and those are advice areas you need, well, then you need to find another accountant. I'm not the fit for you. Um, I could recommend you to an advisor to see or other people to see and if that fits the need, then great. But if that's not the right fit, then you want to go to one place with all of it. You know, like Sonny said, there are accountants and financial advisors in there that work together, they've got the whole gamut together, that's 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 where you want to be. I think, um, Tim, it comes down to um, if you've got a level of complexity to what you're doing or what you're looking to do and you can afford it, go to the specialists. Yep. Um, that's way you know, there's, there's people out there that have, have gone the extra mile, um, and I'm talking now from an, perhaps an accounting perspective, where they've got a, a specialist... Um, designation around superannuation and self-managed super funds. Um, you know, if you're a, a large-scale um, investor or you've got a large balance and you've got some complexity and you're looking at doing certain things and structuring and, um, you know, go to the specialist. Um, it's probably the simplest way I could yep. I could say it. They, yeah. they take the time and they have the knowledge um, for the reason. If you can afford it, then that's where you should be. 
Very good. I think um, one th- one thing that I thought of before was just around the whole advice piece and and perhaps people's perception on advisors, you know, for whatever reason. But I I come back to um, you know, if if I was if I was starting a business and I wanted to run it past you know a friend or an accountant just to see if it would stack up. Um, I would I would do that. I would go and get advice from a professional before I made that decision to start a business. Or and it's really quite similar to an SMSF. I think you know it's it's kind of like a business in terms of your involvement and the risks and um, everything that goes with it. So yeah, it's a, it's a funny one. The the perception around advisors. I feel potentially is mis- misguided. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm interested to sort of learn why that is. I think it's a, it's a good point. Um, if I had to guess why some people are misguided around it, it's, um, you know, probably stems from either prior experiences or, um, you know, misunderstanding of what the industry in terms of the financial advice industry was about. Um and, and to be really clear, you can get advice um, around establishing a self-managed super fund um, independently from what you then do inside that self-managed super fund. So I think if, if people have the misconception that advisors charge in a particular way or have different underlying motives um, that are misaligned to clients when it comes to investment management or otherwise, which I think is a historic misconception in some areas um, – then you can get advice around whether a self-managed super fund makes sense for you or not, right? And it doesn't need to have the follow-on of um, an advisor managing then or assisting you in managing all your money, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So if that's stopping people out there from getting advice on whether an SMSF makes sense, um, hopefully that's clear. Like, because I'd agree with you, Tim, it, it, it makes sense to go out and get that advice and, you know... From a very high-level point of view, let's look at what that advice is going to entail. It's just going to be the pros and the cons of a self-managed super fund and how it applies to you, your circumstances and your objectives. Yep. Right? And that will, those pros and cons in, include all of the risks associated. Now, if you were to get objective advice around whether that makes sense for you and your circumstances and your you know, personal situation, whether or not you implement that or take that advice to Ashwin's earlier point is completely up to you. But to have an objective professional opinion um you know could help you um, make the right decision or not make the right decision whether you ignore it or not you've made an informed decision right mm. and i think that's the that's big point. thing right so plenty of times um people will ignore advice um and that's to their own pro and their yeah. benefit but that that's their call um but the prudent thing to do is to get it um, and sit down and actually have that separate meeting so you're not rushed into a decision or you've gone down this path for some obscure reason that you're not sure about so it's a bit dangerous if people do it them do it themselves that way so um i think that that, that would be my first point around it. and i think the the advice part i think this comes down to what people have experienced more than anything else i think um, or what they've maybe read you know or seen in the news yeah. and uh, i think that skewed a lot of people in there and it's it's from someone that um tries to look at things objectively most times I think it comes back to the people you engage in. I'm, I'm trying to you know, channel Gareth here. And yeah, his, I was going to do the uh, same. <laughs> Gareth's experience was not great. And as a result, he's, you know, he, he feels a certain way about things. And you're like, and that's how we all generally are. Um, and you go, well, 
it really comes back to the, the things you should ask a financial advisor when you meet him. And I think the Money Smart website's really good. It's got a bunch of questions you should ask an advisor in that meeting. Um, those are the th- those are the checkpoints, right? Those are the things you should go through and ask an advisor. So at least all those things that are perceptions or experiences you've had have been quashed or answered in that meeting. And then you've got the right advisor for you because whether you like it or not in every industry, there's always a few people not right for it, but those questions being asked and answered are your protection points, right? Um, and that statement of advice. So that's why I'd you know, challenge everyone to make sure they do that. Um, that that's, your, that's your key step before you go ahead and undertake this, you know, hopefully a lifelong process and then super fun. Yeah, very good. And and I guess just to finish, if, uh, you know, I was looking for an SMSF accountant or a, a regular accountant to work with my SMSF, um, where should I look? I know, I know there's those three professional accounting bodies, uh, which could be a good place to start. Um, yeah, uh, I'll definitely check the Tax Practitioners Board website. Obviously, make sure they're registered as, a, as an accountant um, with a taxation license. So that means you know they, they can actually complete the form and fill out that section in the tax return, which is quite handy. Step one. Step one. Um, but then, like like we said, just, just ask the questions. Ask what you're after, but go in with the questions of seeing an advisor first, right? So if you've got a statement of advice or you've seen an, a financial planner um, and you've got the detailed advice, you are more likely to then ask the right questions when you're trying to seek that accountant, whether, you know, whether it's, whether it's, you know, the one down the road or the one you're already doing your taxes or whether it's a specialist, you'll find out what that is based on that complexity of what your super fund's going to be entailing. So, I think we'll, um, we'll put up some links on our website in yeah. relation to how you might go around selecting an accountant or accessing those either through those professional bodies or other service providers with, without any um, preference to one or the other, no. but we can give some direction in terms of how you'd go about it. But um, I guess to echo Ashwin's point, um, go and meet and speak to different people. I mean, you're probably considering a self-managed super fund because you've heard about them from somewhere yep. um, or someone. Um you know, a referral of, uh, you know, to someone that's had a good experience with a particular accountant is a good start. And the same goes for an advisor or a financial planner. Um, but I always encourage people to go and meet a couple um, because hopefully it is an ongoing relationship that you will need and would want to and should listen to in different yeah. points in time. Um, there needs to be a right fit. So, yes, make sure they've got the credentials um, that are required and they've got the specialty in the areas that you need them to. Um, but then go out and have a conversation with a couple of um, people and, you know, I think the best way is to get the best fit um, yeah. for you, which will change over time as well. Yep. Um, but, you know, you want someone uh, that you can work with. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Thank you for joining us once again. If you're interested in our waffle about self-managed super funds, feel free to join us on smsfmate.com.au or search SMSFMate in Spotify.